Welcome to Great Quarter Guys, episode 10, and it's the podcast where finance meets freight and transportation, and we're live today on social media. So, kick it off. My name is Kevin Hill, and Andrew Cox here as my co-host for Great Quarter Guys, part of the Freight Intel Group here at Freight Waves. We research everything uh, logistics. We're basically the, the proprietary research desk, and we publish our our research in Sonar and sometimes on on Freight Waves. How are you doing today, Andrew? I am lovely. How are yeah? you going, Kevin? Are you ready to kick off 2020? I guess we kicked it off last week, but this is really the, the, the first the proper, full week. Yeah. Proper kickoff That's right. and send-off for, for 2020. That's right. I'm yeah. very excited. Very good. And today we're going to talk about still, still the, the, the backbone of civilization and mm-hmm. the United States and still makers and still tariffs a little bit. Uh, but mostly it's about an acquisition that was announced on December 3rd of 2019. So mm-hmm. just a little over a month ago. It hasn't closed yet, but there shouldn't really be any issues of that closing. But it's a company called Cleveland Clips. Uh, CLF is the ticker, and they announced to, to acquire AK Steel. So AK Steel goes by the ticker AKX, mm-hmm. and uh, Cleveland Cliffs is uh, an iron ore miner. So they, they have some mining locations in northern Minnesota and also northern Michigan, and they, they mine pellets. They make a lot of pellets. They, they yeah. make a lot of yeah. pellets. So they, they make a lot of pellets, and they sell those to steel producers like AK Steel, right. which is one of their, their, their customers, actually, one of their major customers. Mm-hmm. And this uh, feedstock on iron ore pellets is used to make all kinds of, of steel products from, uh, I guess, pig iron. To mm-hmm. kind of the composite steels that uh, that Ford and Chrysler and, yep. and other automobile manufacturers uh, produce. So, uh, you know, Cleveland Cliffs uh, they do about two point two billion dollars in annual sales. Uh, AK Steel is much larger on the sales side. Mm-hmm. They have about six point two billion dollar uh, in in twenty nineteen, twenty eighteen, twelve actually trailing twelve month yep. uh, revenue numbers. So you, you think that AK Steel is a much bigger company, but uh, on the EBITDA side or yep. operating margins, thirty uh, percent operating margins for Cleveland Cliffs, the, the the miner and the steel producer is only about five percent. Uh, so so the EBITDA is almost almost identical, almost identical, yep. right? So each of them are around five hundred uh, million EBITDA uh, per year. So the deal will will double that, but it's an all stock transaction. Uh, that is coming through. I, I think uh, that the new entity will still retain the CEO from Cleveland Cliffs, and Cleveland Cliffs or Cliffs, I guess, is the Cliffs, short yeah. names uh, for for that. Cliffs will retain sixty eight percent of ownership, and AK Steel shareholders will have thirty two percent, and it'll be a, a vertically integrated uh, steel company. So. Yeah, they're expecting <clears throat> expecting now to have the highest margins of any U.S. steel producer, uh, the the combined entity. Uh, Kevin, let's dive in. You know, why would uh, why would Cliffs go after this acquisition? Um, we we do know that the the value of AK Steel has uh, you know has fallen sequentially for the last couple of years. Uh, they're, they're about half of the value that they had uh, two years ago. Um, but why would uh, Cleveland Cliffs go after a company like AK Steel? It is so so. So basically, you have Cleveland Cliffs. 
market cap is $2 billion or $2.1 billion as of Friday of last week. Um, trailing 12 month revenues, 2.1 billion. So mm-hmm. right out, you know, one times revenue is their valuation. And we, we mentioned earlier that they have that 30% operating margin. Uh, AK still is, has a market cap of 984 million as of a couple days ago. And that is about half of what they were in uh, the beginning or January of 2017. So they've fallen in value for a half. So, you know, I like to buy things on sale. Yeah, we know you're the value guy. The, the value guy, yeah. right? So, so Cliffs is maybe making a little bit of a value play. But there's, other, there's another angle in that, that is much more interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, they both have long-term, long-term debt of about $2 billion, although Cleveland Cliffs, uh, I think their interest rates average in, in the low fives. Mm-hmm. And AK Steel's about 7.25%. And as I said, uh, two-year stock returns, uh, Cleveland Cliffs or Cliffs is down about 15%, and AK Steel is down 50%. Now, the short interest, which is always interesting, right? Yep. The short interest, not too much in AK Steel, of course, because they're being uh, targeted acquired. So you don't want to short a stock that right. is, is theoretically getting a premium on, on the market. But Cleveland Cliffs is 40% short interest. So that means that 40% of their outstanding shares that are floating around are held by short sellers. So there's a, a huge negative bet mm-hmm. on, on cliffs. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's kind of a, a long, even a long-term trim in the U.S. with steel uh, having fallen off. That's one of the reasons that Donald Trump ran on the steel platform. That he's going to bring steel production back to America. So there's, there's these long-term trends of, of steel plants and uh, uh, of shutting down over the last few years. So. And, and then the tariffs that, that worked in, in 2017, or the tariffs that were implemented, mm-hmm. worked, in, yeah. in, certainly in the short term. In the short term, yeah. And it, it mirrors trucking really well, because you had that surge of production. You have all these mothballed uh, steel mills, right. the U- U.S. Steel and uh, Steel Dynamics and, and AK Steel were bringing out uh, and gearing up again. And what happened, just like in trucking, Everyone went out and bought trucks. Mm-hmm. Over capacity. Over capacity. Yeah. Flood the market with steel. Prices yeah. come down. Prices come down. Right. So, so there's Everybody a little hurts. bit. Yeah. There's a little, little bit of, I think it was Brazil and Argentina, uh, got hit with steel tariffs in the last few weeks. Mm-hmm. So the, there's a little bit of a bright, bright spot. Steel prices have rebounded a little bit, just like trucking, yep. right? Trucking has rebounded a little bit, but it was a, it was a rough t- 2019, as you can see with AKS's or AK Steel's stock price, yeah. that have. Yeah. So now Cliffs is 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 buying them up to get into the, the steel business. So this is a vertical integration. Cliffs supplies AK Steel with iron ore pellets, mm-hmm. right? So they supply they they don't sell to they don't produce steel, right? although they are kind of creating a plant for I believe it's pig iron. Still in, 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 in Kentucky Dayton, or West, yeah, Ohio, one of the Dayton two. or yeah. Toledo, Ohio, somewhere somewhere in Ohio, and so you have the, this very interesting dynamic that now Cleveland Cliffs. What, what are their top three customers? Yeah, so they've got three customers that make up ninety five percent of their of their sales, uh, which is just uh, it's asinine to me. I I haven't ever heard of a company making up like a public company in that making yeah, up that high of a percentage just out of, out of a handful of customers. So that's it, it, it's a lot of risk. It is a lot of risk. And, and, and basically, 
with that said, Cleveland Cliffs has has a nice moat yeah. around their business, which is the Great Lakes. Yes, I don't yeah. think that's a pun. Quite literally, <laughs> quite quite literally, the the Great Lakes, where that they actually can't ship via barge across the Great Lakes uh, this time of year. So that they kind of hold inventory uh, in northern Minnesota and also the southern ports of of basically Cleveland and and around you know the the, the Great Lakes and mm-hmm. Ohio, which are their southern ports. Right. And uh, and you know, AK Steel was a massive customer of there. They were one of those three. They made up twenty five percent of their sales. Uh, yep. AK Steel did. So there's a you know there's a vertical integration and there's some synergies there. But you could you could lose a little bit of the margins if you're selling to your you know you're now uh, subsidiary. That, that is, but it's kind you know, of a risk if, there. If, if you think about iron, iron ore pellets in the Midwest, right? That they're, you know, that that's where still the heart of still country lies. Yeah. That there's no not doubt. that many players out there that you can really supply. And I think they had some joint venture agreements o- over the years with some of their top customers. Uh, but AK still, so the, their stock prices is, is cut in half mm-hmm. over the last two years. Uh, they have $2 billion of debt yep, at a, of debt. a very high coupon. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wall Street, while well, they have a very low short interest right now, they're not a lover of AK Steel returns, right? So you have that, and then you have contract negotiations. So basically, Cliffs sells to those three customers in long-term, fixed, uh, commodity-based contracts, uh, volumes and, and tons and, and all that great uh, still talk. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what you have are contract negotiations coming up in was it 2022 yep and yeah 2022 2023 where they're going to start renegotiating all of their their pricing Mm -hmm. so is it is part of this is a large percentage of this is is this a bailout number one is it a bailout of ak steel and number two is it kind of mitigating those risks of 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 knocking out 25 percent of of their, their their revenue and also renegotiating its prices. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, like I just said, I think there is a risk of losing some of the margin, but I think that there's a win-win for both for both sides here. One, you have uh, you have Cliffs who is worried about losing a quarter of their revenue to uh, AK Steel, who could possibly go bankrupt and and default on their loans, and then you also have um, you have AK Steel who's looking for a, a, a solid supply of iron ore all the time. And now they have one. Uh, they don't. They never have to worry about another supply. They have one of the biggest uh, suppliers in the country, in Cliffs. So there's a win-win in both. It's a bit of a bailout because uh, because AK Steel's in. They're hurting. You know, they're in trouble right now. That uh, they are, but they're not in. in but they're in, not in. You know, chapter eleven. Any, no, anywhere they're, near they're that. not even. They, they're not even near that. No. But are, are they a healthy growing company, or either of them actually a healthy growing companies? And I. I I don't think so. No, I don't think so either. Uh, I mean, it, the truth is that, um, yes, we use steel in, in almost all of our manufacturing products, but manufacturing has been in a, in a massive slump this year. Uh, they're going to need to, um, you know, try to pivot towards some of these higher value, how, how higher value added products, um, which there's a dozen acronyms for these steel products that I haven't memorized, but there, you know, there's the Amer- I think American high strength steel. Yeah, quite confusing. But yeah. you know, there, and and these uh, auto manufacturers in the U.S. are starting to shift towards these higher, lower weight, higher value steels. Uh, one for for uh, environmental reasons, and two because they're trying to make safer cars. Uh, and and it's a very interesting point there, right? So so basically, you have you have this acquisition coming in when North American auto sales are are, are 
peaking, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And sixty three percent of AK Steel's business is to the automotive industry. Yeah, which and is I, like more than double uh, any closest uh, industry. More, peer. more than double, right? Wait, so what do you think about that? By the way, you think uh, you think that's a risk, or that's a competitive edge, or a little bit of both? I, I think it's a little bit of both. You can. So the risk part is that uh, auto sales are plateauing for for this cycle. Right. Right. You're not seeing strong growth, but what you are seeing, and you just mentioned it, is the strong growth in the the lighter steels. That I, I don't think they're composite. Yeah, yeah. What, yeah. It, but 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 the lighter steels uh, that are, are better for fuel economy or, or tougher. Mm-hmm. Right. You're, you're seeing uh, so so basically, even though that sales are plateauing, you have so sales are plateauing, but but you have this this uh. You know, you have a mix of you have a, a mix, new mix so of steel mix, that's coming right, in right. At higher, that has a higher margin for yeah, both. So, so you have redesign right. of Correct. your current cells. Correct. Right. You're going for your your traditional, you know, fenders and and auto bodies into something that's lighter weight. So even on year over year, same same cells, right? You can also they're they're switching out into the, this new grade of steel. So that this the, the risk is plateauing cells. The, the the shifting of mixes of of the steel that's used mm-hmm. in auto manufacturing is is the opportunity. Yeah, it's growing really. I mean, in the uh, in the Cliffs investor presentation from Q4 when they when they spoke about the acquisition, they uh, estimated a constant a Kager uh, a growth rate of fourteen percent of these new steels being put into automo- automobile production over the next I think it's ten years or so. Ten, so I mean, there's there's massive growth uh, in these high value steels if yeah. you uh, if you can win those contracts. So and another interesting point is that that Cliffs is a miner. Yep. They mine iron ore from the ground. Mm-hmm. Now that's a very different business even though that their customers produce steel for the auto industry and and construction infrastructure. That's a much different different business than mining. Yeah, I mean, uh, giving a so, example, it's like uh, if you're if you're a, a rubber producer and you don't, and it's also like, like producing rubber or running a trucking company. Yes, you need tires to run your trucking company, but does anybody that produces rubber know how to run a trucking company? I I, I don't know. Me it's the same way around. Yeah, too, exactly. Right? Same, same know, thing here. It's an iron so, producer. Now they're going to have to create an uh, be a, a, a metals uh, and uh, and metal producer. So yeah, what's it, the uh, what's the trade off? Do you think they can do it? That this that's just one of the threats and opportunities, right? So Definitely. can they really do it? That they have a strong CEO. Mm-hmm. He's, he's turned around a, a couple other companies. He's uh, a little bit outspoken, as, outspoken as well. Sometimes he, he what he, CEO he, is he it? Challenged, you know. I think he challenged a Goldman Sachs analyst uh, in, in, a, in a call um, to to maybe a fight. Oh. I mean, I don't know. It was. I it mean, was, if he's a, if maybe he's a, not mid, a, fight, he's a Midwestern but, steel, uh, yeah, no, uh, right? iron iron miner. You, know, I, you can only imagine. So, but you know, and, and part of their growth story, you know, so so the sliver of growth in this is mostly about efficiencies, right? The the sliver of growth, and then we'll get into the synergies, which, um, which are astronomical, really. Um, we'll, we'll get into the the growth story. Is AK Steel has basically mothballed uh, a pig iron plant in Ashland, Kentucky, mm-hmm. and and Cliffs wants to reopen that. Uh, they're basically it's, it's kind of the same uh, manufacturing process as their uh, Ohio plant that they're planning to open this year, I, I believe, sometime Correct. 2020, maybe 2021. And what you have is, in, in essence, that they want to open up that to guarantee supply of their iron ore, 
and also for growth for for AK still now that plant shut down because of customer trends customer demands mm-hmm. basically shifting away from from that facility can they bring them back in yeah, and that's they, really the, what it boils down to yeah and they believe uh, i believe i read in their investor presentation they believe they can save 60 million dollars in not closing down this plant uh, and that's that's beyond if they can get it towards a profit uh, a margin that they can make in the coming years, but just saving themselves $60 million and not uh, the upkeep of the, and the maintenance of the place with it not being open. So that's one of the major, uh, you know, not quite synergies, but, but cost savings that they can get. Um, and then moving to the synergies, they're also uh, large, the astronomical, if you want to call them. They, uh, you know, they have the, the debt that they're looking to refinance from the Credit, credit Suisse uh, gave them another $2 billion in, in, uh, in debt. To, uh, on an asset-based loan mm-hmm. to refinance the 2023 debt that AK Steel has, which I think they owe, um, I think, got $400 million coming up in 2021, 2022, and 2023, each of the three years. Uh, so they have a large debt. Uh, but one thing that's really good is that Cliffs doesn't have any debt to pay out for the next four years. So they, they kind of have a little bumper uh, there. But they do. And if you bring that, that $4 billion of debt load for the combined company and you shave 200 basis points off that... Then you're talking about uh, what is that per year? I I knew it before I walked into the booth. A lot. It, it is hundreds a lot. of millions. It, and if you're looking 40, at 40, 50 million, I think. Yeah, over it the course is, of a couple of years. Yeah. yeah. So so it's, it's great interest savings. Now on top of that, they have 120 120 million dollars in cost synergies that are broken into. So and 40 percent, not 40 percent, but 40 million of those cost saving synergies are wrapped up in basically just the the expenses of operating a public company mm-hmm. you know auditing uh SEC reports financial kind of uh, you know quarterly reports that, that you have to do so so if you tack on 120 and then another 50 you you might get up to close to another couple hundred dollars on your EBITDA per year um and you're you're buying that at really less than a, a billion dollars yeah which is you know Five times just on the synergies. So it makes a, a lot of sense. Uh, and I know a lot of people, you know, especially in the financial press, are, are kind of uh, kind of down on vertical integration. And I know it's, it's kind of tough because you mentioned margins earlier that they want to, uh, I think they're, they're projecting out about 15% margins, mm-hmm. which would be the, the highest margin of, of any steelmaker. But whenever you start doing transfer pricing, which is basically one subsidiary selling to another subsidiary mm-hmm. of your company, uh, things things get yeah they want kind of they want they want a little extra help yeah, on the wanna, deal right yeah you know? yeah so you know you can make up your margins over here over here but if you start shrinking that iron ore pellet margins, uh, your your customers might want to to push back on pricing a little bit and right. you've just kind of shot yourself in the foot yep. a little bit right. Uh, I do want to talk just a little bit more yeah. about the uh, the sixty the, the AKs um, their their customer base. You know, we we talked sixty three percent of their of their mm-hmm. customers are uh, are automotive, um, and I just I to me it's it's one thing that the, the two biggest of those are Ford and Chrysler, uh, and if in my mind those those two companies are. Uh, they're struggling, you know. They, of course, you know. They're, they're auto manufacturers. Yes, but there's, you know, there's some autos that have that have been able to withhold that would make it through, uh, mm-hmm. whether they're Honda or Toyota, some of the Japanese brands. But I don't know if I'm if I'm AK Steel, I'm I'm looking to diversify away from uh from sixty three percent of my sales being from automotive. You know, but but is is there 
that much business out there besides automotive yeah. uh, for them. Apparently, and, they're and, one of the main, uh, one of the only American producers of the steel that goes into the electric grids. Uh, right. So the infrastructure. I would look towards like trying to get a, a government contract or some sort of public uh, sure. contract. Sure. Those are usually pretty, um, sure. you know. And often. they're very focused on the Midwest too. I, I, AK Steel. So so basically, they have some, like in Windsor, just just across the bridge from Detroit and a couple of Southern Ontario plants and one down in Quetro, um, or in Mexico, kind of where, where most of the autos are produced down there. Right. But other than that, you know, all their facilities, you know, I think they have 15 facilities and they're all in Ohio and Indiana. Yep. And I have a, a list of them here somewhere. Yeah. There's one in, in Alabama. PowerPoint. That's it. Most, yeah. Most of, the other, most of the other ones are right there in the, in the heart of the, yeah, uh, Alabama. Of the steel. Yeah. They're the heart of steel. So, so basically they do a lot of local loads. And and I know that from my experience as a freight broker, right? They do, of course, the coils mm-hmm. and, and some plated things, but but mostly coils and and, and some curved steel. Um, but yeah, so basically, they're, they're usually shorter runs. You know, three four hundred miles would be a, a longer run for them, and they service the the manufacturing plants. You know, as as you can tell from Ford and Chrysler in, in the Midwest, so Ohio, Michigan. Uh, Indiana type of of auto auto plants, and they do some heavy haul things. Uh, but but I, I think maybe transporting them still outside of out of side those regions, maybe to the Mid Atlantic where some manufacturing is, or, or down here, you know, even in Chattanooga, Tennessee, uh, is 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 maybe cost prohibitive, you know, uncompetitive. Yeah, maybe so. Maybe so. What, so what, let's talk a little bit more about the transportation angle there. We, we spoke a couple of weeks ago about, uh, you know, a lot of these companies don't disclose their transportation spend, but we can do a little, you know, back of the envelope guess. You know, we, we think, uh, well, we know AK Steel has like $6 billion in, in sales. Uh, is that we? Yeah, six, six, yeah six billion in sales. So we we know you, that. What do you so think the transportation spend Somewhere be? between four and $600 million. Okay. So like eight, eight to 10%. Eight to 10%, yeah. Okay. So they do a lot of raw materials in. Uh, and most of that is, I believe, by rail. Okay. So the, the, they do a lot of that, especially the iron ore pellets that arrive in the, the southern ports of Ohio and basically get, get railed to the mills. Uh, they, they have a lot of flatbed, a lot of open deck loads, a lot of heavy loads coming out uh, of their facilities to their customer lo- locations. It's uh, They're a huge shipper, and I wouldn't be surprised if they, just on trucking alone, they spend three or $400 million a year. So it's a, a huge contract. Uh, they usually do a lot of managed, de- dedicated uh, transportation, like a 3PL or 4PL right. uh, provider. Uh, and I don't know who has that contract as, as of now. Uh, but, you know, they're, they're always looking for capacity. They're always looking for capacity. Uh, they're notorious about always looking for capacity in, in the Midwest uh, for flatbed operators. And, you know, the... the they're usually pretty good to, to, to work with. It's a very safe operation. You know, safety is 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 always pretty secure at those facilities. But you know, if, if your carrier, you know, certainly they're a great customer to to, to haul for, and your freight broker, uh, the margins can be a, a little bit thin because the the lanes are are typically pretty short. Pretty shorter, yep. So you're looking at about you know maybe a seven hundred dollar load. So there's not a lot of meat on the bone for that. Uh, but they do have some longer hauls. They, they do have some, some Mexico freight. Uh, so it's it's a it's a good company. It's a good industry for either a carrier or broker to to, to break into. Uh, I hold a lot of steel, not for AK Steel, but out of Michigan, Indiana, Ohio, down to Monterey, Mexico. So 
you, you can make some, some pretty good margins, especially you know when capacity is tight on, on flatbed loads. Uh, a lot of tarping, a lot of ex- accessorials, mm-hmm. and um, and you know it's just a, a really good, really good business. On, on the cliff side, uh, I think most of it's barge and train. Yeah, you're right. I, I think so because it's a very bulky item, uh, so so it's not going to go into to, to trucks really. It's just going to be barged across the Minnesota down to the southern ports of Ohio, and then put on rail cars. Train, yeah. Yep. Down to uh, specific customers, and when you only have three customers, it's, yeah, it's pretty easy. Pretty easy to figure, lane, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I know, right? It's pretty easy to figure that out. How to get to those, uh, where, however many facilities they they deliver to, right? Yeah. Well, uh, Kevin, all in all, is it uh, did they get a steal with AK Steel, or did they get the the raw end of an iron deal? What do you think? I think they got a steal. Okay. I, I think they got a steal just on the the EBITDA numbers uh, coming up or the operating uh, margin. Uh, you, you might have a $1.2, $1.4 billion a year EBITDA company that's going to be valued at, at $3 billion at the end of the acquisition. So what's your take on it? What do you think? Yeah, I, I'm i not willing to call it a, a raw deal. So I think I think it is a steal if that's my only two options. Um, yeah. I think... You know, people aren't people aren't always for vertical integrating, but I think these are close enough of a tight vertical integration, and especially if they, you know, they're keep. It's not so much of a of a hard integration. They're keeping both the brands. They are, uh, yes. So you know, you have a, a strong brand in AK Steel. While it has gotten hammered by Wall Street in the last couple of years, it's still it's still a strong company with really big um, with really big sales. Uh, so I think it if helps with leverage, right? Yeah, it helps it helps with all the problems AK still has. It, it helps with that. Yeah, I agree. I I, I would I hope they are. Capable of diversifying away from automobile a little bit, but I, I, I still think it's a massive. I mean, they still have a stronghold of automobile uh, steel production. So I think you go with what got you. Go with what you know. I, You're right. You know, I mean, basically everything's cyclical, but uh, you know, auto sales have kind of peaked on this cycle. But I think the changeover to new materials and in, in, in automobile, uh, you know, bodies mm-hmm. or, 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 or a nice growth opportunity. Yeah, higher so margins. Higher margins. Uh, and, and the company is not an explosive growth company. I mean, it's, it's still a manufacturer and a miner. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be low growth, very mature. Uh, but I think the valuation, I, I kind of like it if everything goes well. Right. But everything can go wrong, too. So it's, it's, it's a little bit of a gamble, but it's not quite as gamble as what I thought when I first started uh, digging into the case. So, uh, so yeah. Well, cool. What do we got? What do we got next? Uh, we have our latest research report, but we also have this as well. So we're live on oh, LinkedIn, uh, and if you're listening after this in on a podcast or, or a video, uh, we developed a, a slide deck to, to kind of go through the fundamentals of AK Steel and, and, and the acquisition, and, and also some transportation highlights between the two companies. So if you want to email us. Cahill at FreightWaves.com. So that's K-H-I-L-L at FreightWaves.com. I'll send you a copy of this uh, this PowerPoint. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, and then we'll dive into our latest research report that we published today. And that is the Q1 2020 Carrier Outlook. Right. And this is a survey that we do every quarter of small to medium-sized carriers, uh, usually running from five to 100 trucks. So... You know, not small fleets by any stretch of the imagination, but but smaller uh, fleets that really there's there's very little intelligence about uh, guys running running these fleet size. You know, most of the research out there is with the the mega fleets. Uh, but we 
we always like to, to know what the attitudes and, and, and sensitivities of the, the smaller fleets are. So we always do, you know, what's your outlook uh, in, in the next quarter as opposed to a year ago in, in that quarter. So Q1 of 2020 over Q1 of 2019. Uh, do you think that volumes are going up, down, sideways, rates, diesel? What are the risks in, in trucking right now? Right. Um, kind of detention time. So, Andrew, you want to, to tell us where do carriers think rates are going to go year over year in Q1 2020? They are pretty tepid. They're, I mean, they, yeah. they're a bit, I mean, I'm not going to call them confused, but we've got... It's a three-way tie, right? Yeah, dead split, uh, 33% each way, positive, negative, and neutral. So uh, this, is a, a, this is a big change from six months ago when we asked this question in Q3 2019. Uh, most people were pretty negative at that point. They're, they're after, very negative. After a pretty low, uh, bleak summer. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah the, the positivity wasn't that that high. It was in, in the 30s, but the negativity was in the 60s. Yes. Right? Highest, and, and highest hardly, we've had it. Yeah. So, so we bottomed out in Q3, rebounded really well in Q4, mm-hmm. which has turned out to be a, a really good quarter yeah. or a good finish to the quarter, at least, with a, with a strong holiday season. Uh, but yeah, Q1 of, of 2020 is, is just a three-way side, yeah. th- three-way tie um, between the three. So... Carriers have no idea where rates are going. No, no, not, not a don't. clue. You know, not a clue. I don't know if anybody. How about knows. rates? <laughs> uh, well, oh, we, vol- that was volumes. Or? Yeah, that was yeah, volumes. Volumes. Rates uh, are about the same. Rates though. are about the same too. I mean, yeah. the, it's really every question we asked this uh, this time. We had you know as many. We have the highest neutral percentage on any of these mm-hmm. as as we've had. Uh, so I think a lot of people are just kind of in a wait and see uh, mode right now. I think that's the second headline of it. Is is the, the largest growth where so so we broke these down into you know, positive, negative, or neutral. So on, on volumes, it's, it's positive for increasing volumes, negative for decreasing volumes, and, and neutral for, for staying the same. And it kind of flows through that uh, with each of the questions. But yeah, all three of them, the, 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 the response of Q2 2020 will be just about the same as Q1 of, of 2019. Uh, that was the, the, the biggest uh, mover from Q4 is... is yeah, you know, everyone's kind of sagline or people's. They're a little bit. Uh, they're a little bit more positive about diesel prices. They're not. They're they not, are, which is surprising. Yeah, I, right. Uh, especially, especially amid IMO twenty twenty and amid the Iran. I guess we didn't well, really know about this, and you know that yeah, was the weekend after. But true, true. We did the, we survey, did the survey before Iran, but IMO twenty twenty, which uh, you know, I, I still don't think a lot of people in transportation uh, have really followed all that that much, uh, especially the the small carriers or or freight brokers and. We haven't seen any effects yet, but essentially it is. Can you? Yeah. So it's a it's the it's a maritime rule where they're having to switch um switch the diesel that they use. They're going from a from a high sulfur fuel to a low sulfur fuel, and the um the components that create the low sulfur fuel are the same that that make diesel. Correct. Yeah. Uh, so you're but basically have a, a, high, a higher demand for diesel. middle distillate. Middle distillate. Yes. Yeah. A, a higher demand for middle distillate, um, which could in theory put some pressure upward pressure on diesel prices in the U.S. And you know what? I, I think it will at some point. It might take uh, an oil spike, uh, like, like what we well, we haven't seen it with our ramp. But, yeah, but, but you but could if they, if they start bombing, uh, you know, yeah, oil producers yeah, yeah, in the yeah. Midwest or the Middle Middle East. Middle excuse East, me. Yeah. So, so you never know about that. Uh, but but what, it kind of the, the math works out to where basically, if you took a million long haul, you know, Class Eight semi trucks, and you switch those to gasoline. On January first, it would 
basically create chaos in the gasoline market. Yes. Right? With all that added uh, demand flying in. Mm-hmm. And the number is about 7% on the diesel market for all the ocean, ocean-going vessels to who, switch over. who are switching over. So it might take... We, we're thinking, you know, basically this, this changeover happened in the fourth quarter. Uh, between, you know, in the ports, you know, cleaning out and putting in the new fuels. But it, it might take a little bit bit longer. And, and, and oil's been kind of like all other commodities this year, just kind of low volatility. Meandering. Yep. Yeah, meandering. Meandering along. Yeah. Uh, like a river oil. So there is a, there's one question that we always ask uh, mm-hmm. that we haven't mentioned yet, and that's, uh, you, that's your expectations for how much capacity you're going to add in your fleet yep. over the next 12 months. And this has been a... A point of, uh, of 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 a conundrum, really, for us for the yeah. last couple um, the couple times we've done this survey, because we'll ask them what they think the biggest risk is, and almost always the biggest risk is lower rates, depressed rates due to overcapacity. And then we ask them, now, what are you going to do to your fleet? And they all say, we're going to add twenty five percent to our fleet. <laughs> it never makes any sense, but that did change uh, this time, and we have we have the majority, the vast majority of people saying they're going to keep their fleet the same. They're we, in, we they're do. in that wait and see mode. We, we do, and, and we've been tracking that all through twenty nineteen. And the numbers kind of come down, right? So, so fewer and fewer carriers are expecting to expand their fleet more and more, or staying pat. But you know what? People contracting or, or, or shedding trucks on their fleet has been, you know, under twenty percent all year, and barely moves. You mm-hmm. know, it kind of moves from twenty to fifteen percent. So, not a lot of uh, trucking companies are looking about, um, you know, slimming down their fleets. It's basically they're going to stay neutral. Or maybe add a few trucks here and there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, w- I wonder how many of the uh, trucking companies don't want to give away their secret if they're if they're looking to sell some trucks. They're like, oh, I'm, I know this is an anonymous survey, but well, I'm not I know, right? tell them. <laughs> but, but you know what? If if you're running a trucking company, you're going to be uh, you're going to be very you're going to be an optimist, right? You know, yep, you're going to be always. an optimist, but sometimes it, it pays to, uh, to to slim down a little bit. Yeah, I mean, if you if you have unprofitable miles. If you Sometimes have, you got to park them, you know, and and basically that's we we always finish off the survey with what what's the biggest risk to, to trucking over the next six months, and you know overcapacity is been the winner for the last you know three quarters. Uh, so so you'd think that that number of of trucking companies who are expecting to to stand pat or contract uh, on their fleet size would it would come down as well. So yeah. here I'll I'll go ahead and tell you those top three. Yeah. Uh, we got the biggest uh, most significant risk of the next six months. First, uh, depressed rates due to overcapacity, as we just mentioned. Uh, the second is lower freight volumes, which uh, it it looks to seem to be a, a good week uh, the, to start the up, year. Yeah, we finished up Q four ten percent over where we were in twenty eighteen, and Q one we're what, yeah, and this I, week we were up six percent. Yeah, we're I mean we're looking at okay. uh, at depressed um, at depressed comparables last to q1 for for 2019 yeah. was not good but either way it's it's good we'd rather good. be positive than negative uh and then the third is increasing in operating and maintenance costs which is never fun for anybody it but, is it is not but insurance and, and is likely insurance, to go up is, is insurance part of that uh or we, we need to add it actually we, we do uh, need to add it it, it should we, be we insurance and, yeah but yeah because that's going up 20 40 50 yeah. percent which kind of leads in 100 little uh, a little throw into our, our next paper that's coming out soon I, it is, yeah, nuclear verdicts, right. which will will be out very soon. Yeah, actually, in the, the coming days, and just examining the the playbook of of how to navigate kind of settlements and and kind of identify really identifying which cases go nu- nuclear, mm-hmm. you know, which is 
what, 10 million and above in punitive damages. Right. So there's a couple different definitions. Some yeah. some people just use a dollar amount. Some people mm-hmm. do, uh, you know, uh, as a perc- as a as an X over whatever the medical cost would be, which yeah. would be yeah. punitive damages. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And a good thumb thumbnail or thumb index on that is is anything over 10, 10 million dollars so typically yeah typically and just trying to dissect those cases and, and find out exactly what went wrong and why they were nuclear verdicts and there's there's enough blame i think to to go around to, to all parties definitely uh because of that is it's kind of a guidebook or a playbook to to navigate through that and that's uh available to to sonar users uh, as well so um Going on to the next section, which is the DHL supply chain, chain price, price and power, and power index. index. That's right. This this week, and where were we this week? We uh, we stayed put. Uh, we'll give a quick refresher on what the uh, the yeah. DHL supply chain pricing power index is. It is a uh, a quantitative and qualitative measurement that we put out that is uh, kind of looking at the negotiating power between shippers and carriers. It's they're they're in a constant struggle back and forth. Um, for the majority of 2019, the shippers were in dominant control. Uh, but then there in the last six weeks, we had a good holiday season. The uh, the carriers started to gain some control, and and a 50 would be a balanced market. Uh, a zero would be all the way balanced to or all the way power to the shippers and 100 would be all the way power to the carriers right now we sit at 45 45 again for the second week in a row stayed at 45 yes second week in a row uh likely not where where do we go this week i think it i think it falls a bit i don't know how far but i do think it slips slightly we have we have uh our outbound tender rejection index which is an index of uh, of capacity and carriers willingness to accept loads at contracted rates Mm -hmm. that's falling down uh, off it of is, its yeah. holiday high, which is, which is normal. Which is you really know, it's, normal. it's just what down to nine percent right yeah, now. Yeah, somewhere like nine or eight. Which is still, which is still uh, good. You know, still still good, better than the, you know, the but, vast but majority of 2019. You know, it's a seven day average, so it's, it's it's coming down. So, like, let's just give them a little bit of explanation on why that falls, why it gets so high around the holidays, and why it comes down. It's pretty simple, but yeah, it's just that drivers go home for the holidays, right? Yeah, they, it, they get off the road. A, that's a large percentage. You know, you have those last minute deliveries combined with vacation and, and going home for the holidays. So you get that that nice bump in in rates, right? Which uh, Christmas rates, right? So, so you can take that home and have a, a a good Christmas, and really that's that's the the that's end and, and short of of why why Q four is or why that holiday peak season is is called the holiday peak season, right? And uh, so yeah, uh, I do think we go a little bit lower, but currently we're we're sitting uh, we're sitting pretty for the carriers comparatively for uh, for the majority of twenty nineteen. It was. We're going to have good comps. We are going to have good comps. At least through the first six months of the year. Right. We're going to have good comps. The spread between uh, contract and spot pricing right now leads our tender volume index, at least, to to look good for the Mm -hmm. first few months. Because, you know, we had the opposite last year where spot rates were still a little bit above contract rates in that first couple months uh, while they were pretty much reversing. um, uh, And that makes people go to the spot market. But So on the shipper side, you did the shipper update this morning. We did. On Freight Waves Now. Yep. What did you talk about? We talked about the uh, PMI ISM manufacturing index, the the, um, the one of the base manufacturing indexes that we have in the U.S. Uh, and it's basically a survey they do of manufacturing executives who uh, buy or supply raw um, products to um, to industrial production. Uh, like and cliffs, like cliffs, exactly yeah. like cliffs. Um, and so it's it's one of those above fifty, over fifty equilibrium indexes uh, where above 50 would be expansion below 50 is contraction and now we've been below 50 for five straight months we've contracted five straight months in a row 
Uh, and now we're sitting at 47.2, which is the lowest, uh, the, the lowest the index has been since we came out of the Great Recession. And that's negative news for the, the pricing or this DHL supply chain pricing package. Pricing power index. Yes, for you know, it's kind of negative for both, really, uh, especially for the shippers, though, because yeah, um, you know, you know, they're the ones, yeah. uh, they're, they're the ones supplying that stuff. What else did you talk about? Uh, we also talked about consumer sentiment. So I, I did a little bit of a, a tale of two economies right now. Uh, you have uh, this this industrial and manufacturing economy that's been, um, you know, in the gutter for all of 2019 for uh, for the majority of the time, mm-hmm. and you had a really roaring, powerful uh, consumer economy, and retail sales are up, you know, almost four percent year over year. Uh, so you have a really happy and confident consumer, but their confidence may have peaked uh, in the summer of 2019. So you kind of have a you have a troughing what we yeah. think what could be a troughing of the industrial economy and a peaking of the consumer economy, which will likely converge to slower growth, but but growth nonetheless uh, in 2020. Very good, very good. So uh, let's go back to or basically move on to our last section. That's right, the long short. The long short. So basically, are you? Positive or long something or negative short something. And we have two of these. So we're going to start off with Boeing. So you have Boeing, the, the 737 MAX debacle. Uh, there's rumors coming out that Berkshire, Mr. Warren Buffett, yeah, and Charlie Munger are going to take a stake today. And I believe that's equity, right? It's, yes, it's, it's an equity stake. Yes, and, and I heard something else where they were trying to raise debt as well. I don't know if that's in connection with this at all, but Warren Buffett is buying into Boeing. Yeah, that's what does the that rumor. tell you? That's the rumor. Uh, one, it tells me that. Well, you know, it's a few things. You, you know, you, well, are you long short? Oh, long short. Yeah. Um, and then what are your thoughts? Uh, I'm long Boeing. I, I still think Boeing is a great company. I don't. I don't think that they are. Uh, <clears throat> I think they can have one huge mishap in the 737 max i think they'll eventually get it resolved uh at got some i'm just hoping no, no, I'm, I'm hoping that the you know the french company airbus doesn't take too much market share during that time that they don't replace too many boeing flights um but i do think i do think boeing well, can that, that's interesting this. do you think they're too big to fail Oof. 200 billion dollar market cap well, uh, i mean but but like like you know what you, you have the financial part of that equation right and then you have the government part of that equation is boeing too big I would the so. U.S. federal government to let fail? No, I don't think they'll. I don't think the U.S. government would let them fail. I think I, they're too big to fail. I agree, and I think they also have too many defense contracts to. to right. I think, exactly I think, right. I think right? the army and, I mean, the, and the navy needs them, so I, I don't think they're going anywhere. Yeah, because usually you have like one major airline manufacturer in a, a market, right? Mm-hmm. So U.S. is Boeing, Europe is Airbus, right? And I forget what what Asia. Yeah, I'm not sure either. I know they buy a lot of Boeings, but I'm, I'm sure so they, they, have their they own do. I think well. they're they're trying to create their their own. But you have Boeing, Airbus, in, in a deadlock. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, you know, certainly the Europeans aren't going to let Airbus fail. No, right? They've they subsidized Airbus for for quite a while. So Boeing is, I, I think, too big to fail. Yeah, they'll never let fail. You know, and you know, we. It's very rare that Warren Buffett uh, makes a misstep and and invests in the wrong company. So if Warren Buffett, but we did is talk about his misstep with, with Kraft Heinz, yes. but that 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 play isn't over yet. No, but that's in an earlier episode. Yes, yeah, uh, I think it was episode six. You guys oh, go good. check it out. Yeah. Uh, all right. So you're you're long as well. Yeah, I'm long. I basically just the odds. You know, Buffett doesn't. He knows what he's doing before he does it. Yep. He knows all the cards, right? And I, th- I think, you know, basically it's too big to fail. It's too big to fail. And I think there, there's bad news, but it's not catastrophic news anyway, uh, that you're, you're buying cheap. You're buying on bad news. 
that is is not terminal, but it's just bad, and it would probably be bad for a while. So it's a, it's a good entry point. So I'm long that that decision as well. Definitely good. And we got one more. We got one more. We got a fun one. We do. Yeah, my Titans just took yeah, them out this week. I know the Tennessee Titans beat the New England Patriots. Uh, this last Sunday, there's a lot of there's a lot of Ravens fans in this building too. So I'm so gonna have to, have to come in with my mouth on. I on know, straight. I on, know there are Monday. a lot of Ravens fans <laughs> running around here. So New New England Patriots is the dynasty over. Long or short, I am long or short. Yeah, I am. I'm long that the dynasty's over. I'm short the New the New England Patriots in the the near to midterm. I think uh, I, I don't know if that was the last pass that we see Tom Brady throw in New England, but. I think Josh McDaniels, his OC, I think he's gone. I think he might go to Cleveland, actually. Yeah. Uh, so I think that for the for the meantime, I think that the dynasty is over. I don't see them making another AFC championship or a Super Bowl in the next few years. They're tough, but they're gonna they're gonna have to take a step back. I agree with you. I, I, I think it is the last pass Tom Brady throws in, in New England. I think the dynasty is 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 over, at least for two or three years. I mean, I Bill mean, Belichick is, is still a great coach, and I mean, he'll he be is. back. But and so, if you get the right pieces together, you you can make a run. The defense is still great. Yeah, uh, you probably need some wide receivers. Probably need to learn how to stop Derrick Henry. I need to to do that. That's that's tough to do. Can <laughs> I, I, I know, right? He's a big guy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So so yeah. So I, I think the the dynasty. I think it is actually over. Over. But it could Call just it. take a pause for two or three years as they they rebuild a little bit, retool. I uh, get the pieces t- together, but is Billichek going to be around in two or three years himself? You know, I mean, it's time. It's true. Uh, he there. might he might want to retire as well. So, how, how about this though? How about I read something the other uh, earlier that said uh, this could be the greatest coup ever created. That the your your Cleveland Brownies they go and get Josh Daniels and they go and get Tom Brady on a one year contract. You think that's uh, capable? I, I know you're you're a Baker fan. So. Uh, I'm a Baker fan. I think, that's I think, the only reason I think why Baker I'm needs a, somebody to come and and cool him down for a little bit. He, he, had a, he, he had needs a something. Season. Cleveland Browns need something. Yeah. They, they they need a whole new organization. Yeah. Uh, in, in a lot of ways, but yeah, I'm a I'm a I'm a Browns fan because of Baker Mayfield. Uh, I grew up a Dallas Cowboys fan, which is a dysfunctional organization. Mike McCarthy. That might be a good hire. You think that's a he good hire be. or the safe hire? I, what do you you think? know what? Jerry's going to uh, he's going to ruin everything. <laughs> he he oh. just will. His ego will take. Yeah, it he's over. getting up there and, too, and that's, he'll have to pass it off soon. He will. He will definitely. So, but that's going to wrap us up. Um, you can listen to us on podcasting stations like yep. iTunes and Spotify on FreightWaves.com. We'll have this posted in uh, a couple of hours, so you can go to there. Go to YouTube. You can go to a, a lot of different places. And as well, no matter when you're watching, if you want a PowerPoint of Cleveland Clips, AK Steel, some financial information, some SWOT analysis, uh, kind of the research we use to, to build this, uh, then Cahill at FreightWaves.com, K-H-I-L-L at FreightWaves.com. We'll send you a free copy. And that will do it for this episode of Great Quarter Guys. 